nine studies are reporting false positive HIV tests. And um, so I want people to understand the HIV test can turn positive after COVID-19 and uh, as well as the vaccine. Now it's not AIDS because the virus is not there. The HIV virus is not there. But what the concern is, is maybe a form of immunodeficiency is there. And uh, this uh, it can be both after COVID as well as after the vaccine. At our U.S. congressional hearing January 12, 2024, Dr. Uh, Ryan Cole did show the data from Shretha and colleagues, Cleveland Clinic, mm-hmm. 51,000 Cleveland Clinic employees. The more COVID vaccines that were taken, the highest risk for recurrent COVID over and over again. So we see some very severe um, syndromes, reactivation of um, of uh, varicella zoster, uh, Epstein-Barr, cyto- cytomegalovirus. Um, it, it's, it's extraordinary. And now this uh, false positive HIV test. Now, the question is, I know I know it's not HIV, but is it is it implying immunodeficiency? Right, right. Uh, so this Australian investigation into VADES, vaccine uh, acquired immune deficiency syndrome led by Melissa McCann, I, I think will be very important because we do need some scholarship on this. Yeah. Uh, I've become pretty convinced that COVID itself worsens someone's immunity and, and the vaccine, and most people who took the vaccine got COVID and took the vaccine mm-hmm. since the vaccines don't work. They're either deeper, they're even more deep in a hole on immunodeficiency. So thrilled to welcome an old friend of the Shannon Joy Show, one of our very favorite docs. He is Dr. Peter McCullough. He is one of the foremost voices in the world on COVID-19 vaccine safety and efficacy. He has testified across the United States of America and internationally on the dangers of the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines, most recently on Capitol Hill with another hearing joined by his colleague, Dr. Ryan Cole, with some blockbuster testimony. We're going to get to a lot of topics today. We're going to talk about DNA contamination of the COVID-19 vaccines, new threats to infant health with RSV on the rise. They're using that to push new pharmaceutical products that could be devastating to the lives of young infants. There is a lot to get to today. We're going to try to hit all of it because when we get Dr. Peter McCullough in the Joy Virtual Studio, we want to give him as large and as long of a platform as we possibly can. Dr. McCullough, thanks for being with us today. How are Thank you? Thanks for having me. Yeah. You look great. You're not wearing my favorite sweater. There's a cardigan that I love that you wear that is my absolute. Next time you come in the Joy Virtual Studio, you're going to have to wear that for us. Well, you know, I'm still in the office right now. So um, uh, the clinical office, I, you know, I'm in practice as an internist and cardiologist. I'm one of the few doctors who's actually ever testified on Capitol Hill that actually sees patients. Right, right. I mean, it's it's amazing. You are an absolute treasure, a national treasure and an international treasure. You have a lot to talk about today. Let's start quickly with the recent testimony on Capitol Hill with your colleague, Dr. Ryan Cole. You lay out a pretty dire portrait of a medical industrial complex complete with captured organizations like the FDA and the CDC that are a revolving door with biopharmaceutical corporations. It's a money-making agenda, and it has a lock grip on our health institutions, among other things. 
What were the highlights for you of this recent testimony? What stuck out to you? And what do you think people should take away from it at its core? The context of uh, the, the uh, U.S. Uh, House Representative's testimony was actually two days prior testimony by former NIA director Anthony Fauci. Right. Where essentially the COVID Select Committee passed him softball after softball. It wasn't a single hard question. He was skating away. They asked him about six foot social distancing. They never asked him about his involvement of creation of SARS-CoV-2 through NIH funding, his involvement, Dr. Ralph Barrick at UNC Chapel Hill, Dr. Peter Daszak yep. at the EcoHealth Alliance, Dr. Zeng Li at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It's clear they created COVID-19. They, they published this in 2015, Nature of Medicine 2016, proceeds the National Academy of Science. No questions on this at all. And uh, so I was enormously disappointed. I, I gave some interviews uh, and, I, and I pushed the committee very hard. I said, listen, you're going to have to start asking them some tough questions. Uh, people are calling for his accountability. Senator Rand Paul uh, says he should be in jail. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's on the COVID Select Committee, but not you know, calling the shots on questions, also says he should be on jail. <laughs> so on Friday, January 12th, myself, Dr. Ryan Cole, a pathologist who trained at Mayo Clinic, Dr. Kirk Milhone, former military officer and pediatric cardiologist, we gave opening statements uh, on vaccine safety and then answered questions from a panel. And it was uh, led by Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican congressman from Georgia, uh, Warren Davidson from Ohio, uh, Andy Biggs from Arizona, and representing the Senate was Ron Johnson. And it was a thorough uh, exposure, I believe, of this biological safety catastrophe we see with the vaccines. And I did point out that the FDA has gone rogue the FDA, led by Commissioner Robert Califf, is actually openly advertising vaccines now. They're like an extension of the pharmaceutical industry. It, it's absolutely outrageous, and it is a money-making machine. You mentioned the the uh, Senate testimony of Anthony Fauci. This is the, the COVID Select Committee. Was that closed-door testimony? Because there was a lot of uh, speculation about what he said and what was said, and we got some snippets of it. But, you know, who who makes the rules on those? Why is it closed door? Why did they control the, the questioning? Why wasn't, if it was it was the Senate, why wasn't Rand Paul in there asking questions as well? Like the whole thing seems a little sketchy to me with that. Well, to clarify, it's the House. It's the House okay. representatives, not the Senate. Now, Ron Johnson is coming over a lot to the okay. House building to help out. So is Rand Paul. So I was in the Rayburn building, uh, the main building for the House of Representatives, and I believe Fauci was there as well. But they're not calling this in, in terms of a, a full quorum uh, in the House. These are panel meetings. Now, they are recorded in the um, National Library of Congress. But I can tell you, I showed up as well as Dr. Cole and Milhone. Uh, we answered every question to the best of our ability. We understood the, the seriousness of the situation. Fauci is said to have, have have answered, he doesn't know or he doesn't recall over a hundred times. Oh my word. Yeah. It is frustrating that that's a lot of that is speculation and we, the people can't see his questioning, the line of questioning, but it's something that we're going to keep an eye on here. I appreciate all of your work, the work of Marjorie Taylor Greene and people like Ron Johnson. They are heroes in keeping this in the fore, which is something I'm very concerned about as we move into an election year. 
I want to move on just quickly, and we're going to get to uh, Bayfortis and RSV as the new cash cow for the, the biopharmaceutical complex, because that's where I want to devote a lot of time to that today on the program, because it's new, it's new and developing, and moms and dads need to know about this. But we are seeing more and more calls for the pulling of the COVID-19 mRNA shots from the market. Recently, Dr. Joe Latipo was on Tucker Carlson, garnering 6 million plus views, um, you know, very concerned about uh, the, the mRNA vaccines and what they can do to human DNA, calling publicly for the pulling of these vaccines. We also have Geert Vandenbosch, who was one of, I mean, originally with Gavi Foundation, one of the first to ring the alarm bell on the COVID-19 vaccines in the early days of 2021, saying that he believes the vaccines will be banned. And soon we have Maricopa County GOP passing a resolution to ban the shots, which is a new development, very exciting news. And our co your colleague and a friend of the medical freedom movement, Mary Talley Bowden, who is getting signatories, elected officials, Republicans, and also candidates who are running for elected office, up almost 90 signatures now of, of elected officials who are pledging to look into COVID-19 lockdowns and advocate for the banning, the pulling of the the pulling of the shots from the shelves. So all this happening within the context of like a week, Dr. McCullough, what are your thoughts. Do you think we're going to be able to get these vaccines at least studied and scrutinized or off the market completely? The lack of safety of the COVID-19 vaccines is clearly coming to a head. Uh, Joe Ladapo, Florida Surgeon General, uh, wrote a letter to the FDA and CDC and said, listen, independent scientists have found fragments of DNA in this. These process-related impurities, they appear to be above thresholds either by number or size of fragments. They, they, they could cause problems. In fact, they, they potentially are oncogenic or cancer causing. Uh, the FDA still refuses to do any inspection of the vial for these process-related impurities, and they indicated they have no concerns. And that was essentially the last straw. So Lodapo came out with an official statement to pull these off the market. Uh, he did it, and I think in a very uh, rational way, He's just been on Tucker Carlson, as you pointed out, explaining the rationale for it. Uh, it's just not okay for the FDA to refuse to inspect products right. that are being injected to into you know millions of Americans, billions of people worldwide. Now, this is on the heels of the 2022 uh, call by the World Council for Health, a, a WHO-like organization out of the UK, to completely remove the vaccines from the market March 2023, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, again, recall issue. Uh, I've made that call in the U.S. Senate in 2022, now in the U.S. House in 2023, as well as European Parliament, uh, the lower house of parliament in the U.K. I've been in both upper and lower houses in Australia. Uh, my colleagues also around Europe, Romania, Croatia. It's occurring all over. At this point in time, it's clear the vaccine should be pulled off the market they're not safe for human use. Do you think that we are going to get any movement among elected officials? Hats off to Mary Talley Bowden for getting some signatories, but still I'm sensing from the medical freedom community a great amount of angst and almost despair, Dr. McCullough, as we move into this election season and the front runners in both parties and the majority of both political parties just refusing to even acknowledge this. How do we break through in your in your estimation? I know you're a medical doctor, but you're savvy in terms of 
of the politics of some of these things and what needs to happen from the medical freedom community in your estimation that can really punch through and get it so that we're not continually talking about this mounting data that is very obvious to everyone who has eyes to see and ears to hear, but is just not penetrating into the mainstream and, and resulting in an actual discernible policy outcome. You know, Senator Ron Johnson and I had a conversation about this before yeah. the hearing. I told him I wanted to give Congress an action plan. Mm. And I did. And it's in the testimony. But, you know, there are five oversight committees from Congress over the FDA. Uh, now, they don't have strong oversight. They're in different areas. But at least if the chairman of those committees and subcommittees uh, convened and actually made an official call from Congress to the FDA requesting mm. that they be pulled off the market, similar to what Joe Ladapo did um, that I think that call could be powerful. The FDA, uh, head by, headed by cardiologists, my colleague, Robert Califf, they report directly to HHS, and that's led by uh, Secretary Xavier Bashera. As I've mentioned, the FDA will not pull these. They are now advertising vaccines like they're part of the pharmaceutical industry. So in a sense, our FDA has gone rogue. And I don't think at this point in time, we cannot trust them to safeguard uh, mm. the, you, you know, the safety and the well-being of the public. What we need is we need media anchors in these town hall meetings to start peppering questions about where the candidates stand on vaccines. We need people in the freedom movement to show up and get to the podium, get on the microphone and ask the tough questions. I remember in early on in Iowa, the first open mic that Trump faced, it was actually a person asking about the vaccines. Right, remember right. when Trump faced uh, an interview with Megyn Kelly? Megan Kelly says, listen, I took the vaccines and I have an autoimmune problem. This has to be brought front and center to in the conversation with all these candidates, and they're going to have to formulate their views. Yeah, we are certainly going to have to really encourage the spokespeople, the leaders of the conservative movement, conservative media, and you know, liberal media as well, CNN and MSNBC. I mean, this is something that is important to both sides of the political aisle. And they just need to start asking these questions. Tonight, we're talking to Dr. Peter McCullough. You can follow him on Twitter. His handle is at P underscore McCullough MD. You can get all of his writing and work over at petermcculloughmd.substack.com. That is courageous discourse. We will be back in a moment to continue this discussion as we are trying to deal with all of the data coming in about the devastating impact of the COVID-19 vaccines to all areas of human life. They are on their way on the move to create new vaccines and to address new viruses. The World Health Organization talking about disease X as a template holder for the next big thing. They are not taking their pedal off the metal in any way. And parents and grandparents need to know about the latest round of, of RSV fear porn that they're going to be using to push even more draconian measures. We'll be back in a moment to continue this discussion with Dr. Peter McCullough. Welcome back, everyone, to the Shannon Joy Show. Please follow Dr. Peter McCullough. His handle on Twitter is at P underscore McCullough MD. He is a warrior for truth, relentlessly speaking the truth about the COVID-19 vaccines and the biopharmaceutical industrial complex. It is a leviathan. It is tangled. It is a huge cash cow. And man, they just don't stop, Dr. McCullough. They just don't stop. RSV now seems to be the new cash cow for the biopharmaceutical complex. 
And Gates is talking about new mRNA shots for HIV, malaria, you name it. They're introducing new pharmaceutical products um, at a breakneck pace. Can you talk about RSV and what is going on with uh, that emergence? People are becoming more and more concerned about it. And also uh, some of the, the new mitigation, the new uh, you know pharmaceutical products that they're looking to use to address it. You know, when companies have new products, uh, the pharmaceutical marketing people, they, they do what's called market preparation. That is, they really talk up a problem mm-hmm. to try to raise awareness. And that's what we've seen happen. Respiratory syncytial virus is a small RNA virus, single-stranded, has 15 proteins. Uh, it has kind of a stable occurrence in the wintertime. Uh, the majority of cases are uh, infants under age one. It's a very mild form of, a, of an infant cold or what's called a bronchiolitis. If it needs treatment, most times it doesn't, but it's treated with a nebulizer, albuterol and sometimes budesonide. Uh, that's essentially it. Now, the CDC keeps these generalized statistics and they uh, make the case that they believe it's a big problem because uh, some mothers go to urgent care to get a nebulizer. They don't have a nebulizer machine at home. So it does ca- account for tens of thousands of of urgent care visits. If there are hospitalizations, they're very brief, usually an ER stay. And the CDC reports about 300 to 600 deaths as an estimate per year. And I can tell you almost all of those, my clinical judgment would tell me is is in children with severe problems, cystic fibrosis or Mm -hmm. congenital diaphragmatic hernia, severe lung disease, maybe just treated too late. Some children sadly are ignored. Uh, in in certain settings, right, but right. RSV is um, it's a very simple, easy problem to treat. Less than one per- percent of children per year get RSV. Uh, but having said that, there has been an absolute all-out blitz with RSV with new products, and yeah. you're not going to believe this, but starting in October. The American Association of Pediatrics, CDC, FDA, hospitals started injecting babies with a monoclonal antibody against RSV. They actually give half a cc or 50 milligrams of Bayfortis, which is a Sanofi AstraZeneca product to all newborns on the first day of life. In this past October? Yes, it's just started. It's just started, Shannon. And let me tell you, there are two randomized trials. Uh, the first authors uh, uh, on these are um, are uh, Hammett, and I, I want to get the exact uh, citation. This is uh, I- important. Um, the uh, one was in the New England Journal of Medicine by um, Griffin, okay. and the other one's New England Journal of Medicine by Hammett. These two trials tested uh, these monoclonal antibodies, and uh, they're modestly effective in trying to reduce the incidence of RSV. But what caught my death, uh, my attention was the deaths that occurred in this trial. There shouldn't oh, be no. deaths in no. infant trials. Now, right. not all of these are newborn. Most of these are babies eight months and older. But listen to this. In the Griffin trial, in the Bay Fortis group, there were two deaths out of 968 uh, and in the placebo, three deaths out of 479. However, in the Hammett trials, known as the Melody trial, there were three deaths 
out of 987 in the Bay Fortis and zero in mm. placebo, which is what we'd expect. And so anytime we have a clinical trial where there's a mortality signal like this that goes in the wrong direction against the new product, it's an area of concern. So Shannon, I brought on my uh, uh, show, McCullough Report, Dr. Helene Benoon, former uh, INSERM scientist in France. She's okay. now an independent researcher and she's analyzed this. Okay. He reported to me, listen to this, that they rolled this out in October. 200,000 babies in France had been injected actually since September 15th forward. Now they see an increase in mortality in these babies in France. And this is going above a, a trend line. And um, this is extremely worrisome. They, they believe there's an oscillation of potentially 38 excess deaths. Oh, my word. Uh, and this is reported by Dr. Christine McCoy, who you can actually get the data in, um, in France. So this is not going in the right direction. And, uh, and to make matters worse now, there's a paper out by Beach at colleagues that I've summarized on my Substack. Uh, that guess what predicts that if all the babies are injected with Bay Fortis, that the virus now is going to mutate. It's going to actually see yeah. this. It's going to mutate and almost certainly be able to attack the child later. The Bay Fortis doesn't last very long. So we actually may get more severe RSV a little bit later in childhood, as opposed to a very benign illness. These antibodies were approved with no long-term follow-up, with no idea what it was going to do to the baby's immune system. This is the first time human babies have ever received monoclonal antibodies. Oh, my God. Ever. Ever. This is the first time in history, and there's no long-term follow-up. We don't know how this is going to affect the immune system. Maybe when the baby's, remember when the baby's born, the baby has a thymus, a big gland in the neck. Sure. And the baby is actually forming immunity to all these different virions, all these different uh, pathways. They get antibodies, colostrum through the mother's milk. Right. This is playing with mother nature and the baby's uh, immune development and almost certainly going to breed resistant strains. And that's not all, Shannon. You know what also started this year was actually vaccine injections of third trimester uh, pregnant women. Oh my word. Vaccine injections of third trimester pregnant women. And the Bay Fortis then you're saying is a monoclonal antibody, which is not a vaccine. What is the point of it? Why are they injecting babies with it? And you're saying they, they've looked at some of the data from the 200,000 babies in France, but what is the extent of the injections in the US? Do we know? You said that the CDC and the FDA have begun, they've approved this to be injected into babies. So what happens? A mom goes to the hospital, she has a baby, and along with all of the other, you know, the hepatitis and the vitamin K mm. and all of the other, you know, injections they give that baby, they're just kind of slipping in the Bay Fortis. Is that what's happening? Yeah, that's my understanding that American babies are getting this unless the parents object to it. Um the, uh, you know, the 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 dose is 0.5 cc's in an infant, but once they're beyond eight months, they actually get a full cc. That's going to be a painful injection wow. in a baby's arm. You know, the monoclonal antibodies were safe and effective in treatment of acute COVID-19. The problem is the virus kept mutating and the FDA pulled these off the market very quickly because of these mutational changes. Here, the FDA is, is paying no attention to mutational changes in RSV that I can see right now. 
And to make matters worse, uh, the the, uh, the Pfizer vaccine, Abrivio, was uh, uh, introduced in pregnant women. Now, third trimester of pregnant women are getting this vaccine. It's a pre-fusion protein antigen-based vaccine. In the third trimester, and I've reported on my Substack, fewer than 10% of women are taking it. But here's the, you know, in theory, it's supposed to protect not the mother, but the baby with antibodies. And that's just a theoretical extension of vaccination. And um, the risk here is that anything that causes a fever in a pregnant woman, particularly a third trimester mother, can precipitate early labor. And the Mm. early labor leads to a preemie baby, a premature baby. So this is an extraordinary risk, again, with no long-term safety results, no results in large numbers of pregnant women to let us know that this is reasonable. We don't even know if it's going to work in babies. And then babies are turning around and getting this monoclonal antibody. Uh, They're getting it on the day of birth and then on the next RSV season can actually get it after eight months. And it doesn't stop there. Uh, that these biopharmaceutical complexes introduced RSV vaccines for adults, adults over 60. That means I should be getting an RSV vaccine. Well, you know, in the published studies, less than 1% of adults ever get RSV. It's so mild. It's like a drippy nose. You wouldn't know it from a common cold. And so, you know, I think RSV, uh, as an example, is the next cash cow of the biopharmaceutical complex. By the way, you know, I I don't know who's paying for these, but if I was a patient or an insurance company, I wouldn't pay for these. Uh, You know, we're told just go to CVS and Walgreens and get our RSV shot. Well, who's paying for this? I have a feeling, Shannon, that the government has actually negotiated contracts and the government's fronting all of this. So laundering our taxpayer dollars back to the pharmaceutical corporations and an endless stream of toxic, deadly vaccines, whether it's COVID-19, the endless boosters, RSV, disease X, whatever they're going to throw at us, the fear porn, the you know overwhelming of media, both print and radio, digital, television, just putting the fear of God into people about regular viruses that our natural immune systems could normally fight off quite easily and even even strengthen our immune systems. Yet time and time again, we continue to fall prey to this. This is devastating news, uh, Dr. McCullough. You guys can find the whole write-up on this on Dr. McCullough's Substack. It is Courageous Discourse, and you can find everything that he has written, all the research and the papers there. We're going to take a break very quickly, and we'll come back. We're going to talk about the degraded immune system. I have noticed just anecdotally, Dr. McCullough, and I have seen some reports on this, that uh, people that I know who have been multi-vaccinated and boosted seem to have kind of a revolving door of illnesses and diseases. Their immune systems seem to be consistently degraded. And this is something that Dr. Yeadon recently talked about with Dr. Drew on his program, describing what seems to be an HIV style degradation of the immune system functioning. Um, this can lead to a longer term um, and you know impacts in a wide variety of diseases, things like the common cold or the flu that a normal person could always fight off, but they can't anymore. The turbo cancers and the other autoimmune type diseases that is just attacking these healthy bodies. When we come back, I want to get your thoughts on that. Among other things, we're going to continue this discussion with Dr. Peter McCullough in a moment right here on the Shannon Joy Show.
Welcome back, everyone, to the Shannon Joy Show. We are doc, uh, talking to Dr. Peter McCullough, foremost expert on the biomedical pharmaceutical complex and their entanglements globally here in the U.S. with the regulatory agencies and this cycle of fear, 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 the platforming of a, a mild to you know moderately severe virus, and then just the shoving of these pharmaceutical biomedical products um, that are hurting people. They're rushing them through the approval process. We saw how that started with COVID-19 vaccines, and they just seem to be pushing the pedal to the metal. There is no end in sight. We just talked about uh, the newest cash cow for the complex, it's RSV. There are a variety of different mitigation efforts from Bay Fortis for infants, which is apparently harming them and leading to adverse reactions, even deaths in infants, to elderly people. And, you know, we're also looking at now a situation, Dr. McCullough, where you know, there might be a health catastrophe given the degraded immune systems of so many Americans and people who were injected with the COVID-19 vaccines. So I mentioned in the last segment, Dr. Yeadon uh, recently was on Dr. Drew. He described what seemed to be kind of like HIV, basically just a basically degraded immune system making uh, people of all ages and and all races, uh, you know, more vulnerable to all sorts of diseases, from viruses to even cancers. What are your thoughts on that? And, and where do you think this could go? I mean, this gives this gives the, the medical, the biopharmaceutical co complex a great kind of excuse to introduce more interventions because now they've made people really sick. They've made people in, unable to fight off very simple, non-lethal viruses. And now that just justifies more mitigation efforts, more pharmaceutical products in this endless cycle of just a disaster. I mean, what are your thoughts on Dr. Yeadon's latest uh, concerns about that? Yeah, you know, this is a breaking revelation. Uh, in Australia, uh, there is a formal inquiry. It's a very, it's a very, you know, a parliamentary type of procedure. It's called the terms of reference. So the terms of reference all had to be submitted. And one of the ones that was accepted, I reviewed it personally, is for a term called vaccine-induced immunodeficiency syndrome, or VADES, uh, vaccine, I guess, acquired immunodeficiency syndrome, VADES. And it was put forward by Dr. Melissa McCann. And uh, what we've learned is in Australia, the very first uh, COVID vaccine which was an antigen vaccine, exposed part of the spike protein that turned nearly all the HIV tests positive in the vaccine recipients in Australia. This oh. was early on. This was a stunning development. And so uh, what became known is that part of the spike protein has the same sequence of amino acids as a glycoprotein on HIV. And we've known this uh, because the white blood cell count is always depressed in acute COVID. Normally, it should be elevated in a viral infection. And there's been observation after observation now, and I want to cite the data. A paper by Feldman and colleagues described a young man who was going to commit suicide because he was HIV positive. This is written up in the peer-reviewed literature. And when they investigated him, he was a laboratory technician they found that he had taken the vaccine. He was positive for the vaccine uh, spike protein antibodies, but negative for the nucleocapsid. He didn't get the infection. 
And they did uh, HIV viral load testing over and over again and could not find the virus. It was a false positive HIV uh, test, just like the Australian vaccine recipients. Um, <clears throat> now, by the way, Australia had purchased 51 million doses of this vaccine from Queensland University and a firm called CSL, and it all was a complete bust. Now wow. a paper's come in from Henry Ford Hospital, uh, first author is Gudapati, that is describing increase in false positive fourth generation HIV tests in patients with COVID-19 and to those who took the vaccine. Now it's it's rare. Uh, they found about eighty-seven thousand, uh, or eighty found found eighty-seven false positives out of thirty-nine thousand one hundred and ten, but they did occur due to the vaccine and uh, to to the infection. And Bala Subramanian has also reported in the journal IDC cases. Now uh, a whole series of studies. If I was to count them up, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine studies are reporting false positive HIV tests. And um, so I want people to understand the HIV test can turn positive after COVID-19 and uh, as well as the vaccine. Now it's not AIDS because the virus is not there. The HIV virus is not there. But what the concern is, is maybe a form of immunodeficiency is there. And uh, this uh, it can be both after COVID, as well as after the vaccine. At our U.S. congressional hearing, January 12, 2024, Dr. Uh, Ryan Cole did show the data from Shretha and colleagues, Cleveland Clinic, mm -hmm. 51,000 Cleveland Clinic employees. The more COVID vaccines that were taken, the highest risk for recurrent COVID over and over again. Unbelievable, which would indicate the, the degraded immune system and, right. and people that I'm coming into contact with on a regular basis who just see, seem to be getting sicker and sicker and sicker and they can't kick, kick these things. You know what I have experienced recently, Dr. McCullough, multiple people saying that they were sick as a dog for multiple weeks, upper respiratory, sore throats, and were tested for everything, COVID, flu, RSV, you name it, they were tested, nothing came out, yet these people were laid out and seriously laid out for multiple weeks. And I'm thinking to myself, what is this? Because I've heard multiple stories of that and multiple anecdotes, anecdotes, even among, unfortunately, some people who have been, who were not vaccinated. Have you seen anything like you're practicing, you're seeing patients, are you seeing anything like this from your perspective? Shannon, I've had it myself. I can tell you it, what you're describing is real. Okay, I'm not uh, crazy. Know, I, I, I had COVID uh, with pulmonary involvement in 2020. Okay. Then I had a, that was probably Delta, uh, probably Alpha. Then uh, in 2021, I probably had Omicron. It was a mild case. So I had COVID twice, no vaccine. Mm. 2022, I had 12 colds. I had one almost every month. Okay. Now in 2023, I've had at least six colds and the finale was about a two-month illness, incessant coughing. I couldn't get through a single interview. I've seen it all around me. People mm. who had COVID or the vaccine, they're not the same. They're getting an illness. You're right. We test everything and everything's negative. But these are respiratory illnesses that we don't remember uh, having before the pandemic. 
Let me say that on average, people get about four colds a year. Somebody who's uh, super fit and super healthy like you, you may get zero to two colds a year. Average person, about four colds a year. Now, daycare workers and kids who go to daycare can get a lot more. But let me tell you, 12 colds in a year, I yeah. honestly think that COVID itself knocks down the immune system. Yeah. Well, and th that would make sense. If indeed what Senator Rand Paul has discovered and has reported on that gain of function research did happen. So they created the virus, they weaponized the virus and made it worse so that they could then create a vaccine to treat the virus. And they did that in Wuhan or any of the various labs that were funded by the NIH or NIAD or whatever that you know organization was. It would make sense that anyone who felt susceptible to the original COVID-19 or one of the variations, Alpha, Delta, or Omicron, would then now have a similarly degraded immune system than people who were vaccinated or boosted. Now, um, from what I understand, the, those who have been multi-vaccinated and boosted are, are much, much worse off than those who haven't been. But it's still, to your point, it's that that same mechanism of the spike protein mm -hmm. and not being able to be turned off and then turning basically people's bodies against themselves. It, it, it's true. You know, one example is former U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein who elderly, but almost certainly took multiple shots. Sure. She developed neuroinvasive varicella zoster meningoencephalitis. <laughs> I mean, this is basically a form of shingles that just invades and eats into the brain. It went through her uh, uh, facial nerve, trigeminal nerve. She had, um, she had Ramsey Hunt in oh, the end. Uh, that's the same syndrome Justin Bieber has. By the way, Justin Bieber hasn't been on tour in two years now. Uh, with this complication after the vaccine. Almost certainly she died of a vaccine infection. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you. After the vaccine, it's much worse. We see some very severe um, syndromes, reactivation of um, of uh, varicella zoster, uh, Epstein-Barr, cyto cytomegalovirus. Um, it, it, it's extraordinary. And now this uh, false positive HIV test. Now, the question is, I know, I know it's not HIV, but is it, is it, implying immunodeficiency. Right, right. Uh, so this Australian investigation into VADES, vaccine-acquired uh, immune deficiency syndrome led by Melissa McCann, I, I think will be very important because we do need some scholarship on this. Yeah. I've become pretty convinced that COVID itself worsens someone's immunity and, and the vaccine, and most people who took the vaccine got COVID and took the vaccine mm -hmm. since the vaccines don't work. They're either deeper, they're even more deep in a hole on immunodeficiency. That's absolutely devastating. And, you know, it is not lost on me that Bill Gates is out there promoting his latest round of mRNA HIV vaccines that he's planning on rolling out with all of his partners in the biomedical pharmaceutical. I mean, it's a mafia. It is a gangster racket and they're killing people. It's just outrageous. But but. Isn't that the perfect model for Bill Gates, right? To inject people, get, you know, become a multi-gazillionaire with injecting people and using the government to force it and coerce it. Then everyone gets sick. And then you're there with a, you know, offering up on a silver platter, a new round of injections to solve the problem that you probably created in the first place. It's just so disgusting. Right. Well, that's actually something that did come out in the Fauci hearings uh, last week. 
uh, that were just ahead of uh, my congressional testimony is Fauci did concede uh, the creation of the SARS-CoV-2 virus was for the purpose of making a vaccine. Mm, and mm, CEPI, mm. the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovation, which is founded by the World Economic Forum and Gates, you know, they indicate that disease X efforts are exactly that, to create viruses, bacteria and fungi, in order to create vaccines. So they're, they're going to try to guess what's going to come out of nature. And what we're left with is the stark reality that there are biolabs all over the world now, well-funded by this biopharmaceutical co complex. And there's a ton of U.S. government funding going into these, by the way. Peter Daszak recently uh, who shuttled the plans over to Wuhan. You know, he worked hand in glove with Dr. Zheng Li, the bat lady, in uh. creation of the of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. He's gotten another round of U.S. funding from the National Institutes of Health, and now he's gone to Duke University in Singapore. Guess what? To work on more bat coronaviruses. These are mad scientists. These are mad Frankenstein, God complex, megalomaniac control freaks lunatics that have run i mean they are they are on the loose they have tons of money tons of power dr mccullough we have to stop them we have to stop them we have to stop this and and start healing people when we come back we're gonna go to break and when when we come back i want to end this this discussion with some optimism i've seen you on a couple different interviews i mean there is a silver lining there there are ways for people to be healed. Um, you're very involved with the wellness company and a lot of the work that they're doing over there to treat people. And we can talk about in the, that in a moment. But also um, just this idea that even if you got vaccinated, there is an indication that there's a whole population of people who, um, for whatever reason, got a dud or a placebo or something, you know, so they're in there's still that nice control group somewhat of people who didn't get vaccinated. So I really want to just get some good news from you when we come back, like so that people don't despair and so that I don't despair. Like, you know, we do really stupid things as humans, like just really, really stupid, stupid things. And we give people power who shouldn't have power. Um, but there is always, I think, a way for us to get out of it. God will always give us something that we can do either individually or collectively to, to mitigate this and then move into a, a new era of health and wellness. And so let's hit that when we come back so that, that people are optimistic and they feel empowered and franchised to do something to protect themselves, their families, and their communities. So we're going to end on that note with Dr. Peter McCullough in a moment on The Shannon Joy Show. Welcome back to the final segment of the Shannon Joy Show. We are so blessed to count Dr. Peter McCullough as a friend of the Shannon Joy Show. We are so thankful for all the patients that you see and all the traveling that you do and the testimonies and the testifying. You know, you are really a treasure, Dr. McCullough. And I just want to thank you. Please go to his uh, Substack. It is Courageous Discourse and support Dr. McCullough and everything that he is doing and follow him on Twitter for sure. He's a wealth of information. Um, in this final segment, Dr. McCullough, let's look at some silver linings. I mean, you are in the depth of all of this. You're seeing everything. You're treating patients. You're talking to people in positions of power on Capitol Hill and at, at you know in world leadership positions. In your travels, from your perspective, what do you see out there that gives you hope and that you see as a silver lining and a place for people to sit and then move into so that we can fix this? Shannon, you in 2017, were you paying attention to the Johns Hopkins 
you know, coronavirus planning sessions? I sure wasn't. Me neither. <laughs> I was caught blindsided. In 2019, right. did you turn into Event 201 when it happened? I, I did not. Didn't me even neither. know it was happening, Dr. McCullough. Me neither. So we were blindsided with COVID. Let me tell you what, that what's changed now is we're aware. This disease acts uh, January 17th, 2024. You know, that that's the WF is having a whole session. Everyone's all over disease acts. What to expect? Um, people are thinking, listen, it's going to come out of another bio lab. We got to get ready. Well, the principles of the McCullough protocol, you can find this at uh, uh, www.petermcculloughmd.com. The principles up top of, of ventilation, using virucidal nasal sprays and washes and gargles, um, the nutraceuticals and supplements, these are all kind of general antiviral, antibacterial things that one can do. Uh, McCullough protocol is still in place. Uh, we'll figure out the the drugs that are needed once we've field the virus. So be looking to people like myself and others to guide on acute treatment if you know if it turns out that that uh, something is released. Mm. Um, many are anticipating this, uh, by the way. And then the wellness company has stepped in with medical kits. So there's a broad medical emergency kit. Every household should have it. It's going to handle everything from secondary bronchitis to pneumonias bladder infections, anthrax, you name it, comes with a home treatment guide, a telemedicine consultation. And then there's a contagion kit that really focuses on COVID, gives you all the necessary tools you need, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, mucinide. Yep. Um, and so people are getting these kits. Now your show, I believe has a promo code. I don't know if you want to- Oh, sure. Yeah, we yeah. do. Yeah, I have um, I have the medical emergency kit. I, I love it. Um, the spike protocol that you guys uh, put out as well. GetWellWithShannonJoy.com. So GetWellWithShannonJoy.com is where you want to go. And the promo code is ShannonJoy for 10% off of, of everything. Yeah. So yeah, that is, I mean, we love the folks over at Wellness Company and we've had a nice affiliate partnership with them, uh, great products. And so what you're saying is that because people are so tuned in and aware of the gain-of-function research that is happening, of the uh, pandemic um you know, they they run through these series, these kind of pandemic planning protocols where they get everyone together and they practice what they're going to do if disease X emerges. And so there's so much scrutiny on all of this. And there's so many people within the medical freedom community watching them that you guys are kind of ready. We're kind of ready to say, okay, when you deploy something, we're ready to mitigate right. it. We're ready to have something that can bolster and help the natural immune system without the vaccines from the pharmaceutical corporations right. help people save off. That is really exciting. Like that is something that, you know, and it's so amazing to me that all of this is happening underground. Like all of this is happening underground. Like no one who watches CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or reads the Gannett papers or consumes any kind of mainstream news media knows any of this, but the medical freedom community, the people you and I hang out with and work with and collaborate with, you know, this is something that people are prepared for. I think that that is, that is really, really encouraging. You also mentioned that, you know, there's a whole subset of people who've been worried about the fact that they got vaccines and whether or not, you know, some of these adverse impacts are going to show up later, you know, one year, two year, three years post-vaccine, they're not getting vaccinated anymore. And you mentioned in a recent interview that there's good news for those people. Uh, there is, uh, you know, I testified in the U.S. Congress that 
our window of concern is now five years after the last shot. So I don't think people are out of the woods for five years. That's FDA regulatory um, uh, stipulation. Sure, yeah. For genetic vaccines, which they are, 94% of Americans took a messenger RNA vaccine who took a vaccine. So that's you know 75% of total are vaccinated. 94% took a messenger RNA vaccine. Okay. Uh, what we've learned is that most of the harms of the vaccine are from the spike protein, the spine on the surface of the virus. There are three natural substances that have very good preclinical data, one with actually randomized trials that actually helps the body get rid of this spike protein, which builds up. And they are natokinase, bromelain, and curcumin. It's yep. called McCullough Protocol Based Spike Protein Doxification. It's just a way to kind of remember these. Again, go to my website and, uh, and, and you know get the protocol. It's natokinase. 2,000 units twice a day, bromelain 500 milligrams a day, and curcumin 500 milligrams twice a day. Our experience now without large randomized trials, so I can't make therapeutic claims, is, but it is quite positive in direct observation, but it's taking three, six, nine, or 12 months for people to clear out, to see antibody levels go down, to okay. see, we're gonna assume we're gonna measure the spike protein directly, but to see people's symptoms, headache, tremulousness, brain fog, all uh, those, muscle aches, yeah. post-exertional malaise, all that improve with the base spike detoxification. And so that is all for the vaccine injured along with people who had COVID-19 or are right. suffering from long COVID as well. And that's another product. The, uh, the spike therapy product is also at right. the wellness company. So you guys can get that in just in a single pill. Again, get well with shanandjoy.com. I promise this is not an infomercial, but it's just all out there. And I want you guys but, to get but, it. But to clarify, the wellness company, there's their their form of nano kind of called spike support. So it's nano with five minor ingredients. I, I still am aggressive and want to add to that uh, curcumin 500 milligrams twice a day, Got bromelain it. 500 a day. So wellness company packages those three. They call it the ultimate spike detox. It's right, kind right, of like right. going out for the for the real, you know, the 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 real um, oh doozy. When you go out to party, you're going to party with Spike Detox. There you go. I mean, they're going to throw everything with the kitchen sink at us. Load up, guys, because these X is coming, man. These guys, again, Frankenstein, mad scientists. Like, they ju it just ticks me off. I'm glad, so glad we have people like, like you, Dr. McCullough, out there just helping us navigate all of this. Really appreciate everything that you are doing. Please have, um, you know, help people know how they can support you um, as we close out the the show. If there are any last words, things that you want to get off your chest, you think people need to know about. And then, you know, please, please uh, tell them how to support mm. you and your efforts and everything that you're doing. Well, I want to let people know that um, majority of people took the shot, I think, are fine. They had little or no side effects initially. That's a really good sign. So people who got sick originally in the CDC vSafe data, 7.7% of Americans really got sick. They went to ERs, were hospitalized. Those yep, are the yep. people I worry about later on getting blood clots or having a, a cardiac arrest. They should okay. uh, they should be vigilant. Those with prior cancers, uh, those at risk for cancer should be vigilant. Again, we, we simply don't know what's going to happen. Uh, make sure you follow me at my website, petermccullummd.com. That'll take you everywhere. Uh, America Out Loud News, McCullough Report, every 2 p.m. Eastern on Saturday and Sunday. I'm also answering your questions on Pulse. That's Amazing. Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. My best-selling book, Courageous, uh, or um, uh, Courage to Face COVID-19, uh, has been banned from Amazon for 12 days. We got it back up, uh, banned for, you, you know, they couldn't tell us why, but it was obvious that the complex was going after us. 
trying to take us out of commission. There's only six books out of out of 20 million that's ever been banned, uh, but we we fortunately got that it recovered. That is wild. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I mean, Courage, Courage to Face COVID was banned by Amazon for, quote, offensive content. And Shannon, you know, <laughs> I, I'm very careful. I, I don't even cuss. There's no nudity or anything in, in there. So uh, so anyhow, get the book. It's really red hot, uh, Courage right. to Face COVID.com. And then last week, my Substack, Courageous Discourse. That's where all the graphical abstracts that we have, there's nearly a thousand of them now. All the data I cite are there. So, you know, what I'm giving you is not opinion. It's actually hard evidence that's coming out. And then lastly, I've I've, I've started McCullough Foundation, okay. uh, McCulloughFND.org. Now that's tax-free, 501c3 uh, donations. It supports me. I'm, now we're going to have a fellow join, the first uh, clinical scholars joining this Amazing. spring, Nick Hulsher from University of Michigan. Right. Uh, and McCullough Foundation is active in four areas. One is in scholarship, uh, which is, which is you know, I work every day. The second is in the media, which I'm doing now. The third is in, in the court of law. I'm an expert mm. in over 100 cases pro bono, trying to help everyone uh, seek justice. And the last area is, is public policy, like my trips to Washington. I fund all of that myself. Wow. And uh, the foundation is doing wonderful in uh, providing a base of support. Well-deserved, Dr. Peter McCullough. I know that you were persecuted in the early days along with some very courageous doctors, um, one of the most persecuted doctors in the United States of America, if not the world. And, you know, that's a very scary thing. And it, you know, it is courage. It's the courage to stand up even when you're being deplatformed, persecuted, attacked, defamed, censored. Um, you know, threatened with lot the 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 losing of your your medical license to practice, which happened. I mean, you name it, they threw it at you, and you stood strong. You didn't waver. You never backed down. And so, every bit of success that you are having with the foundation and with everything you're doing, absolutely deserved. I love seeing that happen. It, it makes me believe yeah. that good people, like the good guys, can win, and the good guys can come through these things. And so. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys go support Dr. Peter McCullough and uh, we'll have him in again in, in hopefully a couple months. You're a regular here on the Shannon Joy Show and we appreciate everything you've done. Okay. Thank you. Let's see the Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. Yes. They're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm predicting it. They're they're looking good, Dr. McCullough. And you guys all know Dr. McCullough. He's a Bills fan. Originally right, from, nice. he was from Buffalo, New York. He's a Bills mm -hmm. fan. So we love him up here. All right, guys, we will be back tomorrow to do it all again right here in the Shannon Joy Show. Christine Anderson. German MP in the uh, European Union will be joining us tomorrow. She is going to give us all the details on the massive, massive protests in Berlin, Germany, and raging across Europe. Can't wait to talk to her tomorrow on The Shannon Joy Show. Again, please go to theshannonjoy.com, theshannonjoy.com, and set up your individual contributions. Five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. This is what keeps the independent show growing, and it funds all of our efforts to expand into platform. That is all because of all of you. We so appreciate all of your contributions. That's theshannonjoy.com, about to get a big facelift. So you're going to be see that, seeing that revealed in the next four to six weeks. We will see you tomorrow right here on The Shannon Joy Show. Hello, world. Welcome to The Shannon Joy Show. 